Today on the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, Boone County Public Library celebrates a banned book month by promoting a book they claim is banned. If it's banned, why would the library be able to promote it on their taxpayer-funded social media? LEX18 runs a story called Barbie Movie Has Adults Embracing Dolls as a Form of Emotional Healing. I'll dig into, uh, well, what has become of us. And then finally, for my podcast-only listeners and another Republican flip-flop on abortion, Russell Coleman, the top nominee for Attorney General, comes out saying he believes in exceptions on rape and incest. Of course, I'm your host, Andrew Cooperwriter, and thank you all so, so much for joining us today. Now, uh, you heard it right when I went through those things. If you want to hear that last one, which a lot of people obviously are... uh, interested in hearing about, you've got to head on over to the podcast-only format, and you can listen to that on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, iHeart, um, Pandora, all other major podcasting platforms. Head on over there and give it a listen if you're trying to hear that last segment there, if you you want to hear what I have to say there. But otherwise, make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe. If you want to reach out to the show, you can email me at info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. And now, without further ado, let's dig down into it. So maybe you've heard it's banned book week or or month or whatever. Probably should have checked that out before I started, but it's banned whatever. (laughs) And I say maybe you've heard because nearly all public libraries are, uh, whether that's public schools or public libraries in your community, are live with libraries promoting so-called banned books. Now, this book banning, is it a real thing? Sure, absolutely. Nazis burned the Hebrew Bible. That's a book banning. Now, do you see any of these libraries promoting the Hebrew Bible on banned book week? No, no, of course not, because nowadays, in our modern times of stupidity, book banning can simply mean a book that some of the community at some point have said, we don't want in our schools or public libraries, or better yet, have just said, we don't want that in that section of a library. Now, libraries in public schools, and it may shock you to learn this, are publicly funded entities, having discussions and making policy with the input from the taxpayers who fund these entities and pay for the books is not book banning. There is no way every single library can carry every single book that has ever existed. Every library is making decisions about what books to carry or not to carry and involving the taxpayers in the process of what books to carry, but also where to put those books uh, is obviously and clearly important. I mean, after all, it is their dollars funding the books. And if they don't want their books funding values, uh, that they don't want their tax dollars funding books that maybe don't represent their values too awful much or don't have as much of an educational learning process or are put in the wrong place. Well, they have a right to do that. If you don't like it, go fund your own library yourself. Fund your own private library and stop taking others' tax dollars. But as long as you're taking people's tax dollars, you're opening yourself up to the conversations from the taxpayers. 
Now, this obvious distinction between banning books and simply being accountable to those who you rob at gunpoint in order to fund what you want, and you think I'm joking. Remember, if you don't pay your taxes, who comes to make sure you do? So you're robbing people at gunpoint to fund your libraries, and then you're upset that they have opinions on what you're spending the money on. And this distinction uh, did not affect, however, the library in Boone County, Boone County Public Libraries here in Kentucky who apparently wants to be just as intellectually dishonest as they possibly can be. They posted this video here on their taxpayer-funded Facebook page. Uh, they posted this here, taxpayer-funded video. Hi, my name is Kara Frank, and I'm the early literacy librarian for BCPL. My favorite banned picture book is The Family Book by Todd Parr, which has been banned for its diverse representations of families. And I love Todd Parr's books. They're colorful, they're funny, and they all kind of have the same message that even though we have a lot of differences in the most important ways, we're really all the same. I really like the last line of this book. It says your family is special no matter what kind it is. So I think his books are fantastic and I hope you check some out at the library. Books are for reading, not burning. Books are for reading, not burning. Now, I don't know when Todd Parr's, um, you know, families are special or, yeah, I think the family book, that's what it's called, right? The family book. I don't know when the book burning for that was. Um, I think maybe I, uh, I missed my invitation to that book burning. I didn't get sent it. Uh, if you all were invited to that burning of that book, uh, let me know. Um, I'd be interested to know. In fact, if somebody tells me that they're, they were invited to a burning of that book, um, you know, I will be sure to add that to my next episode to bring up the fact that that book, in fact, has been burned and properly banned somewhere or I guess just burned. And, and by burned, I mean going out, confiscating the book from people and burning them in a fire. But I'm sure that hasn't happened because the book, of course, isn't banned. In fact, you can buy it right now on Amazon. In fact, it isn't even banned from their library. As she is sitting there in this taxpayer-funded video, opening it, holding it, reading it, opening it up, in a taxpayer-funded building on her taxpayer-funded time. If you can't get the book from the library, you think she would have told you where to get it. Since, well, apparently and supposedly, it is banned. But you see... It's not actually banned. It was just moved into a more age-appropriate area. Because you see, while the book is wrote at a level of C-Spot Run, the book includes a few pages talking about things like same-sex couples and stepmoms and stepdads. And it may shock you to know that these are complex conversations that, you know, your two or three-year-olds that's just learning to read, you know, the classic C-Spot Run books, um, doesn't really need to be worrying about right now if it's not a part of their own lives. I mean, imagine explaining to a child that that's not part of their lives. So imagine explaining to a child that is still learning that one plus one equals two about divorce or homosexuality. In fact, young children, when they see two dads or moms or whoever, they don't even realize what they're seeing. Now, you shove a book in front of them or allow them to sit in what should be a C-spot run section and pull out a book and read it, you know, to encourage their love of reading. So in the future, they love to read. 
And instead, they pull out a book that is in, highly involved in discussing same-sex couples and divorces, leading to more and more questions. What you've honestly done is you've quashed a child's desire to read if after they're done reading, they're going to just have more questions about complex issues. Instead, you've managed to perplex them at a time when they probably hardly even understand what their mom and dad actually is, what, what that means, what that role that they fulfill. So the book wasn't banned, but it was moved to an older appropriate section. Can you get the book? Yep. You can go on Amazon and get it. And you can even get it at the taxpayer funded library where she's shooting this video. You just have to go to the right age section. But according to this library in Boone County, that means it has been banned. Perhaps these Boone County librarians need to visit the dictionary section of their own library. Well, coming up after this, LEX18 runs a story about adults buying emotional support dolls after the Barbie movie. We'll have more after this short break. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, so LEX18 ran uh, this story here called Barbie Movie Has Adults Embracing Dolls as a Form of Emotional Hearing Healing. And in it, they talk about this trend of adults uh, going to stores and purchasing dolls, Barbie dolls, in order to heal or have emotional healing. This is a troubling TikTok trend. Here's one of those TikTok videos here. All right, so uh, it opened up by saying, come with me to buy uh, my emotional support uh, Barbie, emotional support Barbie. And then it says, there was another girl dressed in all pink looking for her own support Barbie. For a moment, it felt like we were two little girls excited to find the perfect Barbie and outfits. I wonder if she felt that way too. I think she bought roller skate Barbie. Uh, she didn't feel that way. I'm going to tell you this much. She was probably wondering what some old lady was doing buying Barbies. Or she probably assumed you're buying Barbie for like your niece or your child. Because, you know, that's what Barbies are for. And in this video, too, she isn't alone. She has brought her boyfriend with her, who apparently is contributing to this madness. But let's continue. I just fall down. I used to know. Couldn't find my Barbie at Target, so we're off to find her somewhere else. Apparently, she's looking for that right Barbie, a Barbie that properly calls to her. Oh, 
Waiting for me to find her. Oh, she doesn't just get a Barbie. She gets a whole Barbie playset. Bed and everything. She's perfect. She's a hairstylist too, just like me. Well, there you go. There you go. An emotional support doll. And in this article, they go on to talk about the benefits of play and how this helps people get over their emotions and everything else. And I tell you what. Adults should be playing with dolls. They should be playing with toys. They should be with their children. You see, you're having an emotional support issues because, well, what do you have going on in your life? I mean, I get it. Maybe you're in college. Maybe you're younger. And if you're doing that, I guess I maybe wouldn't necessarily call you an adult. But the point of your life and what you're living is to leave an impact on somebody else. But of course, if you, don't leave a lasting impact. If the moment you pass away, nobody even remembers you were here. You don't have children that you've provided for, or raised, or are planning to in the future. You don't have a family that relies on you in some way to fulfill a role. Other people relying on you. You don't have a community that you're contributing to. If all you're doing is existing and buying emotional support dolls, well, yeah you would be pretty depressed because your life doesn't matter and you don't think it will matter. That's why you're so sad. See, adults should be playing with dolls when they're playing with their children. That should be when you begin to play again with your kids. That's really emotionally fulfilling because you're reminded that people are relying on you. That is providing meaning to your life. Now, it wasn't just me saying that, uh, uh, saying this. Of course, other people uh, chimed in. I commented on the article itself on Facebook talking about this issue. But apparently, this buying of Barbie um, has, has caused adults to take to social media to talk about how they've tapped into their childhood, often leading them to discover something that was missing. In a quest to fill that space, many of these people have made special trips to store in order to buy an emotional support Barbie doll. Emotional support. Interesting. Interesting. And that's not the only one. There's several of these TikToks, of course. But psychologist Dr. Sarah Walker chimes in. She says, I was inspired by the concept of comfort objects. Children often form attachments to objects like stuffed animals or blankets. I wondered if adults could benefit from similar concepts. They can, but not objects, but family and children, accomplishments and meaning in their life. Trying to achieve something. Now, of course, they go on to throw out this in this article, this mumbo jumbo of how adult, uh, how, how Barbie dolls help you externalize your thoughts and feelings to an inanimate object. And that can be therapeutic. But of course, um, this is absolutely a symptom of a society that is struggling for meaning, that is struggling to understand what's going on in life. And what's interesting is, is when I commented that and I said, look, you know, this is the, you know, the best cure to all of our mental health issues is to live a life of meaning. 
And if you're struggling to figure out what that meaning is, have children, get involved at your church, reach out to others, become a part of a, a group that volunteers, make an impact on others' lives, stop living selfishly for only yourself. So I made a comment about that and some people commented obviously back. And one of the comments was, who hurt you? That's what they said, who hurt you? Just leave them alone. Let them play with their dolls. Why does it matter to you? Well, it matters to me because one, clearly it matters. You have a media outlet making articles about this, spending time reporting on this. So you're telling me I'm supposed to care about it, but only if I have the right opinion, of course. But then it also matters because what it means as a symptom of our society as a whole. And instead of telling people, hey, emotionally struggling, feeling hopeless in life, feeling like there's nothing worth living for, feeling mentally unwell, struggling with depression, go out and do something for others. You know, early on in my life, I studied uh, a thinker slash, he was kind of like a sales guy, but a thinker and his name was Zig Ziglar. And one of the things he always said was, if you want to get what you want in life, help enough other people get what they want in life. And if you want in life is meaning and to live happily, help other people achieve things in their lives. Contribute to society, but contribute to individuals. Make a difference in someone's life where they will remember you. And then perhaps instead of having to become attached to a doll, you become attached to what you have accomplished in your own life. Crazy idea, I know. An idea that might just solve a lot of the ills of our current society. Ills that are addicted to drugs, committing suicide at higher and higher rates, mentally unwell, dealing with violence a lot more often, committing crimes. All things because people are living lives with no cares about the repercussions because they're not valuing lives, least of all their own. Because if you're not doing anything, what is there to value? Well, for those of you listening on the video format, that's what we have time for. But for those of you listening to the podcast form, stay with me because when we come back after this, we'll be digging into Russell Coleman, who's the nominee for attorney general, the GOP nominee for attorney general. Uh, he did his own flip-flop on abortion. We'll talk about what that means after this short break. So Russell Coleman joins Cameron in flipping on incest and rape exemptions as the latest Kentucky Republican candidate to apparently change his answer. Now, I don't want you to take my word for it that he flip-flopped. And I know all you people who allow their loyalty to Team Red Shirt to override their ability for critical thinking and being honest will be upset at me for even covering this topic, let alone bothering to actually be honest about what has been said and now what Russell Coleman is saying. However, to those people, I say I am pro-life and the issue is entirely too important for me to be dishonest and not cover the issue with a bit of consistency that doesn't make excuses for politicians. So, did he flip-flop? Well, let's take a look at the evidence. So during the primary season, Russell Coleman, who, by the way, had no primary opponent, was given a 100% pro-life endorsement from Kentucky Right to Life. And that means he gave 100% pro-life answers on the survey put out by Kentucky Right to Life. Kentucky Right to Life includes the question about rape 
or incest on the questionnaire, two of them. And Coleman answered them, and based upon what is public record and is being said by Kentucky Right to Life about his survey answers, he indicated he did not believe in the exemptions. I could be wrong. Maybe he indicated something else, but they wouldn't have given him a 100% pro-life marks. And if he did believe in exemptions on rape or incest, when Kentucky Right to Life was asked about it, they wouldn't have said what they said, which is that that is questions on the questionnaire, and it is something that they believe in. And then they said that, you know, Bashir's using this as a political football, and Democrats are using this political football, yada, yada, yada. They never said Russell Coleman's being remained consistent. This is what he said before. So I think it's quite clear that he did say on uh, uh, in this survey, that he does not support exemptions for rape and incest. Oh, recently on Spectrum uh, One during an interview, he now has this to say about exemptions on abortion. Listen. Believe and feel very strongly that these women that are pregnant via rape and incest, these are crime victims. These are crime victims first and foremost. And just like reaching a, a, a plea agreement, an aggressive plea agreement and a child exploitation case, so as to keep the victim from going to court and re-traumatizing that victim, we would re-traumatize these women by forcing them to have a, a child that was, that was conceived out of rape or out of incest. So while I will enforce the law as passed by the General Assembly, that's the job. I, I, I am pro-life, but I support the exceptions for rape and, and for incest to not re-traumatize these women. And I would ask, call on the General Assembly to take a hard look at that issue all right. So now I have covered many of the times how inconsistency, uh, if, if you believe in ex, ex, exemption, sorry, uh, for rape and incest, how that is inconsistent if you are someone who actually believes that an unborn baby has the same value as a born baby. As I've laid out before, if a child that is one day old and then you find out that they were conceived by rape or incest, would you kill them? Of course not. So how can you claim to be pro-life and say that an unborn baby has the same exact value as a born baby if because that child is conceived because of rape or incest, then you can kill it as long as it's in the womb? That means you automatically think that a life is valued differently. And worse of all, you're thinking a life is valued based on how it was conceived differently. Do you have a sliding scale? of when somebody's life is worth more or worth less? Or do you really believe that inherently a baby's life in the womb is not of the same value as a born child? Because that's what you're saying when you believe in the exemptions. Because you're saying, well, why it's in the room, if it's conceived this way, we can kill it. But if it's born and out of the womb, we can't kill it because of that. So clearly that is an inconsistency. And I've pointed that out many times. And so if you believe that a born baby is the same as an unborn baby value-wise, well, that is something that pro-lifers are supposed to proclaim they do. That's what it means to be pro-life. I believe an unborn baby has the same value as a born baby. So this flip-flopping, or in his case, a redesign of what pro-life means, I believe pro-life means something that most people who are pro-life disagree with, is coming from the fact of political expedience. And well, most of these politicians never really believed in anything about abortion in the first place. They've always used it as a issue, a political football, a smokescreen to run cover for everything else they do and to convince people on the right to vote for them. And what's worse is the voters 
and right to in Kentucky right to life advocates have enabled them to do so. Oh, I know it's faux pas and you're not allowed to talk about Kentucky right to life in any negative way, or it's severely frowned upon to even ask questions of Kentucky right to life. Because if you question at all what they're doing, well, you are just awful, awful, awful. That's how it is in political circles. Maybe not for you. Maybe you've never even heard of Kentucky right to life. But in political circles, Kentucky right to life can never at all point out anything they've done, even, even during the amendment fight and where they failed on messaging. And I can say this as somebody who's around political campaigns, who's watching what's going on. They failed on messaging. They allowed uh, the left to lie about what the right to life amendment was about. And they didn't properly deal with that issue. And you can try to argue with me on that all you want to, but at the end of the day, the amendment, at the end of the day, the amendment failed. So obviously they didn't get it done. So you're not even allowed to talk bad about them, but you know what? I'm not running for office again. And you know what? I got questions now because not one, but two people they endorsed during the primaries have flipped on the issues the minute they won the primary. Now I may have missed it, but I've not heard right to life of Kentucky, Kentucky right to life, rescind their endorsements. You know, when I was running for the state Senate, Kentucky right to life. I'm not, now understand Kentucky right to life is different than Northern Kentucky right to life, different in organizations, but Kentucky right to life endorsed my opponent simply because he was a three month incumbent. He'd only been in office like three months. He had never taken a pro-life vote. In fact, he was so clueless on pro-life issues that he didn't even know at the time that the bill to put the pro-life amendment on the ballot had already passed. He sent out a, an alert to his constituents about, oh, once I vote yes on this bill, you'll be able to vote on this amendment, not realizing that the amendment had already passed. He'd even donated to Democrats and non-pro-life candidates. Yet we answered the questionnaire the same. They could have doubled endorsed. They do that in elections, but they didn't. They endorsed my opponent because the establishment knew it was a close race, and it was, and the establishment needed them to endorse him. And so that's what Kentucky Right Life did. They were a tool of the establishment and gave them what they asked for, in order to make sure that they continued that relationship with the establishment to try to get right to life issues passed. So they endorsed my opponent because that, because they were asked to by the establishment. And that's what they did. Then some of my supporters, not my campaign, but people who support me, vote for me, called out Kentucky right to life for being a tool of the political establishment. And then when I ran for state treasurer, they endorsed my opponents only recommended me. Why? They stated why my answers were all good. My actions have all been good. They stated it right on the voting guide. Why? They said because people who uh, supported me said mean things about them during the last election. They actually said my campaign. They didn't say I said anything bad because I never did. They said my campaign, but they these people weren't on my campaign. They were not paid by my campaign. They're just people who supported me. And because they said something bad about them, well, they couldn't endorse me in the state treasurer's race because that's what they care about more than pro-life issues. They care more about feeling special. They care more about holding on to power. Because you see, in politics, if you actually want to be politically respected, well, you had to be politically feared. 
And it's clear that Kentucky right to life is no longer being politically feared. Something they need to take a good hard look at. Because right now the establishment in the state are not afraid of you. They're not afraid of Kentucky right to life. And why would they be? Kentucky right to life has always done what they were told and provided cover for some of the worst politicians. I mean, Russell Coleman had no reason to even fill out their survey. He had no primary opponent at the time, but he did it anyways because he knew he'd be able to change his mind later and face no repercussions because of it from Kentucky Right to Life. Now, I am going after Kentucky Right to Life a little bit because this is their issue. We've got a Republican supermajority and the primaries being the only real contest now. And the person who can claim to be the most pro-life in a primary in an election, especially a Republican election, really matters. So getting that little seal, that little endorsement can matter. It makes you the more pro-life candidate. The establishment knows that. That's why they've been using them. And now, because of Kentucky right to life's decisions, they're facing a backslide in the pro-life fight in Kentucky. Whether it's because the amendment failed and they're unable to properly message on it. Or if it's because they keep endorsing the same people who are now spearheading this push for backslide. The same establishment they buddied up to. They've overlooked these establishment politicians' transgressions, incompetencies, lies, and corruptions on all other issues because they really, really promised they would get done what Kentucky Right to Life need them to on abortion. Ignoring the fact that they were literally morally bankrupt on almost every single issue. Because they promised, we will give you what you want. But here's the thing. You can't trust people who never had any convictions in the first place on an issue. As soon as your issue or the principle for which you stand for becomes too inconvenient for them, too hard for them to hold on to, they will drop it. Because it's always been about politics for them. It's not about the principle. What's funny is listening to what I just said, Kentucky Right to Life people and their leadership and people who are associated with them will be more upset at me for calling out how we're backsliding on pro-life issues here in Kentucky and they hold some of the blame for this than they will be at the candidates that they endorsed that lied to them and is now hurting that same cause. They're more mad at one of the only Republicans with the platform willing to say the truth that these people flip-flopped. It is hard to find another Republican that is in the public eye willing to say, yep, Cameron flip-flopped, yep, Russell Coleman and Pierce flip-flopped. That's not good. No, instead they make excuses for them. And so they'll be more mad at somebody who's more committed to defending pro-life issues than they will be at the same politicians who are destroying it right now. Now, why did Russell flip-flop? His election isn't close. He's double digits ahead of his opponent, and he's got almost a million dollars last I looked, and she had like 150000 Maybe he was afraid the abortion issue would turn out people against him as advertising for the race would start in the next month. Maybe he just was shown some poll numbers and prodded in that direction, or perhaps he did it to take some heat from the pro-life crowd off Cameron. After all, Russell Coleman and Cameron are good friends. He was even best man at Cameron's wedding. Regardless, it appears he did flip-flop, and obviously we need to be asking questions about how do, deep do any of their convictions actually go. Does this mean Russell or Cameron are bad as Democrats on the issues? No, of course not. That'd be dishonest to say they're just as bad as Democrats. Well, no, that's not quite right. And understand this, too. When a Republican does something, 
that isn't conservative, when a Republican does something that isn't pro-life, or a Republican does something that goes against the Constitution, it's not a feature, it's a bug. For the Democrats, it's a feature. For us, it's a bug. We actually have a platform we can hold people accountable to. That's why I'm a Republican. But for you, single-issue pro-life voters, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, Coleman did say he would enforce the laws as passed, even if he disagrees with them, which is better than Democrat would do. But still, both Coleman and Cameron have some influence with the legislature if they're elected, Cameron more so. On Cameron, he's more pro-life than Bashir, but of course the difference is that Bashir won't ever influence anything our legislators ever do, but Cameron can. And well, now that I have managed to upset every single Republican politico for saying the cold hard truth, saying the things they just won't, just saying the facts, we'll end today. We'll see you back here tomorrow on the Andrew Kubrider Show. Have a great rest of your day.